What is up? What is up? What is up? Welcome to the Mitch Davis Show. I'm your host, Mitch Davis, founder of the Mitch Davis Show.com, podcast host of the Mitch Davis Show. You can follow me on Twitter, Mitch Davis underscore eight, Instagram and Facebook by simply typing in the Mitch Davis Show and also check out the website, the Mitch Davis Show.com. Gonna have wall to wall SEC basketball coverage starting tomorrow on January 6th. Running all the way through the Final Four, talking all things SEC basketball and also doing crossover with SEC baseball as well. On today's podcast, going to be joined by my good buddy, Blake Lovell from 14 Southeastern, uh, one of the most knowledgeable, greatest SEC basketball journalists in the business. He's going to be joining me momentarily on the Mitch Davis Show podcast again to talk SEC basketball ahead of the conference slate opening up on January the 6th. A lot of excitement as SEC prepares for another season of SEC hoops. Going to have at least 9 to 10 SEC basketball teams in the Southeastern Conference creating one of the greatest SEC tournaments uh, in the second week of March than we've ever seen. So Blake Lovell is going to be joining me momentarily talk all things Southeastern Conference basketball. Again, I'm your host, Mitch Davis, founder of the Mitch Davis Show.com, podcast host of the Mitch Davis Show, and co-host of the Hit It to Hoover SEC Baseball podcast with Jake Nichols. Follow me on Twitter, Mitch Davis underscore eight. What is up? Welcome on the Mitch Davis Show. This seems like it is a, a just not even an annual thing. It is a once every two or three months, Blake Lovell joins me from 14th or Southeastern 14 on the Mitch Davis show podcast. Talk SEC basketball. Blake, we are uh, less than 24 hours away from starting conference play. How are you doing? And uh, how's all, how's the non-conference schedule been for you? Yeah, doing well, Mitch. Good to talk to you as always. And uh, just sort of glad it's finally over because it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, not all schedules are created equally and everybody just, um, you know, this is where you find out who's who. And, you know, certainly we know some teams are ahead of others right now, but this is where you really start to see what teams are. And because, again, every schedule is different in the non-conference and um, you can only compare so much in terms of component, uh, opponents because there's not a lot that are, you know, the exact same for, for most teams. And so, yeah, this is a lot of fun because this is where we see um, just how good some of these teams are. Who has impressed you so far this non-conference schedule? Yeah, I mean, again, I'd say right now I still think, you know, Tennessee and Kentucky are probably the two top teams in my opinion. And I know, you know there's a lot of Auburn fans who probably haven't been thrilled that I've left them kind of out of that picture. But I've also said about Auburn that they're the kind of team, if you're filling out an NCAA tournament bracket right now, and you were just doing it based on, you know, the usual metrics and the stats for teams that advance, you'd advance Auburn pretty far, like beyond probably the, maybe beyond the the sweet 16. Like they, they, I think are kind of the team that is so well-rounded um, that, you know, they, they may be getting undervalued here a bit just in terms of, um, you know, their overall record at 11 and two, but you know, their schedule, Probably it's kind of in the middle of the pack in terms of, you know, the, the strength, the schedule and those kind of things at this point. So, uh, but of course, we'll find out a lot more about them when they play at Arkansas on Saturday. So I think those are the top three teams. Um, you know, anybody that's listening to our stuff knows that I have, you know, you take a stand. I feel like I take a stand for one team every year. <laughs> last year it was Missouri. I'm like, look, I'm all in on Missouri and Dennis Gates. Uh, worked out well for me last year. Let's see if me taking a stand on Alabama this year is going to work out. I know they're eight and five. They've lost 
a lot of games at this point. They've lost the biggest games they played, every single one of them, um, you know, to their five best opponents. But I just think that they are on another level offensively, and I think that that is going to work itself out when they start to play some of these SEC teams that I think will start to take a little bit of a step back offensively. Um, I think, you know, some of these teams are putting up numbers against inferior competition. Uh, Alabama's putting up a lot of good offensive numbers against elite competition. And so, um, you know, I'd probably say Alabama's still in that top five for me. Then it's, you know, take your pick. A&M, Florida, Mississippi State. Um, do you leave Ole Miss out? Do you leave South Carolina out to this point? It's, it's very fascinating as we head into, um, you know, day one of, of league play. So we're going to do this kind of like how we normally do the preview for the season and all that, the SEC tournament. We'll start at one state and kind of work our way around. I want to ask you about the state of Mississippi, the, the breeding grounds of Vermont coverage, Mississippi State and Ole Miss, and obviously we'll talk about Ole Miss first. Non-conference, they are 13-0 uh, and 0 and really have looked like a brand-new basketball team. I, I was there on Sunday, and there were people lined up outside of the pavilion an hour before tip-off just to get inside the pavilion to watch a non-conference game against Bryan. Uh, Chris Beard has really done well there at Oxford. How much are you buying in? What kind of stock are you buying in this Ole Miss basketball team? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to buy them at this point because, I mean, again, it's like everybody wants to talk about how, well, they're 13-0, and but they haven't played the schedule that other teams have. Well, that's great, but, like, they're the only undefeated SEC team. And guess what? There's a, quite a few SEC teams that have lost to opponents that they shouldn't lose to. Ole Miss almost did that to an 0-16 Detroit Mercy team, right? Um, but they won the game. And what else did they do? They went out and beat Memphis. They went out and beat NC State, um, you know, convincingly beat UCF on the road in another close game. I think the confidence they built just winning a lot of close games will mean something as they start to get into SEC play because you are going to have a lot of games that are like that. You know, you're not going to get a ton of blowouts in SEC play. Um, and so their ability to, to make the right plays in those close games is going to help them. Uh, and so I'm fully buying in on Ole Miss at this point. Now, do I think that they are going to, you know, just keep this thing going and not lose a game till, you know, the end of January or something? Probably not. They're, they're going to lose somewhere along the way. And, you know, the, the numbers would tell you it's probably going to be at Tennessee on Saturday. But I think having their full roster, you know, we didn't know coming the season if they'd have Cissé or Murray, uh, Brandon Murray, that is. And now that they have them, I mean, that's the reason why people thought we were <laughs> kind of nuts this summer when we kept saying, hey, we put Ole Miss in the top five in the SEC at full strength. Um, people are like, are you kidding me? Like, there's no way Beard's going to turn around in year one. Well, I mean, it's, he wins everywhere he goes. Why, why would we think he wouldn't do that? And so now that he has his full roster, um, I, I just think Ole Miss winds up being an NCAA tournament team. And I know it's easy to say as a team that's 13-0, but I just don't see them falling off that much. Now, again, they're going to lose some games. Would I be surprised if they finish in the top three? Yes. But I, I still think they're going to wind up being a tournament team when all is said and done. Looking down in Starfall, obviously, Mississippi State was bitten by the injury bug. Tolu was out uh, until last week. And people are starting to kind of make that noise that Mississippi State can not only compete for an NCAA tournament bid, but also compete for the SEC tournament regular season. Are you buying into the Bulldogs right now with Tolu back and everything, everybody getting healthy? How much stock are you buying in the Bulldogs? Yeah, I mean – Absolutely. I think that they are, you know, again, I think what Josh Hubbard has done has been the big difference to me when you start to look at what this team can be, because he's brought an element that, you know, they've needed while Tolu Smith has been out. And they've, he's just, he's been the consistent offensive guy that, again, I mean, someone who can make threes, right? And of course, we all talked about it last year, the worst three-point shooting team in the country. 
they're not the best this year, but they have improved significantly. You know, shooting 32% from Mississippi State is a great thing. Um, you know, and so now you get your best player back on the floor. They're an elite defensive team. Um, you know, the way they defend is that's going to travel. We always say that, right? And so, yeah, I would, again, Mississippi State's kind of that. If you pick a sleeper team right now that's going to challenge in that top three, I'd probably put Mississippi State in that category just because I think that, you know, again, defensively they're going to be fine. Are they still going to have some ugly offensive games? Probably. But I just think their defense is going to help them grind out a lot of games and keep them at least close to where they're able to win some of these. Now, the issue perhaps for Mississippi State is somewhat similar to what their issue was last year. You know, they started, what, 1-7 and seven in league play last year. Their schedule to open up the first – their first half of the schedule is not easy. It is somewhat brutal when you look at the games that they have to play, um, you know, and the opponents that they're going to have to play in this first eight or nine games of SEC play. So um, we'll see how they navigate through that. But, yeah, I mean, this is another team that I feel like you'd probably be more surprised than not if they don't find their way into the NCAA tournament. Jump it over to uh, Alabama. Obviously, you mentioned the Crimson Tide. I want to ask you about Auburn. Uh, Auburn is a team that has looked really good. They, you know, they lost to Baylor early on. Uh, talk about this Auburn team. How much? What, what are you seeing out of this Auburn team? What do you expect to see as we approach conference play? Yeah, I mean, again with Auburn, I think you know, we we thought they'd be good on both sides, but I don't know that we thought they'd be just sort of this well balanced in terms of just all the things that they do pretty well. Um, you know, because, again, those are the kind of teams you feel like you can rely on the most are the ones that don't have any just obvious weaknesses. And I don't think you've been able to really see those with Auburn so far. Are they still, you know, a, a an average three-point shooting team? Yes. Like, they're not an elite three-point shooting team. But, um, you know, but, but they're still able to hit shots. And they've got guys who can kind of go off when they need them to. I mean, look at the last couple games, right? They've hit double-digit threes in the past couple games. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Auburn's a team – I think you have to buy in on right now. Now, even if they go and lose at Arkansas on Saturday, I don't think it should change your opinion a lot. That's a tough place to play, and Arkansas is kind of in desperation mode right now. Uh, so I, I think Auburn is kind of with the depth that they have. You know, you have an SEC Player of the Year candidate in Janai Broom. You've got, you know, Aiden Holloway, what he can do. Denver Jones, kind of the guard play and what they can do. But, I mean, you just got a lot of other guys um, who, who are playing, and I think the depth is what's going to wind up being probably the most important piece for Auburn is just being able to compare that depth to what Tennessee has, um, you know, to potentially what a Kentucky has and then teams at the top. So, yeah, I think Auburn is, um, you know, again, they look to me like a team that probably winds up being the top five, six seed in the tournament. Two rivals over in Florida and Georgia, and obviously both at 10 and three right now. Uh, Florida opens up at Kentucky. Georgia has to go on two road, go on the road to Columbia, Missouri to face the Tigers. Who has the better finish uh, as we approach Let's say when we sit up here at March and look at the SEC tournament, who has the better finish? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's kind of interesting to see these two teams, right? Because Georgia has sort of been flying under the radar a bit. I mean, I, I think that they, you know, would have the seventh longest wing streak in the country right now at eight games. Um, again, have not played the schedule that some other teams have played. And their best win to this point is, is Wake Forest, who I think is proving to be, you know, an upper tier team in the ACC for sure. Um, but you know, elsewhere it's teams they should beat and that's what you want to see. And so I think when you look at Georgia, I, I still think it's hard to find a place for Georgia outside of probably the bottom five in the sec, just because you're comparing the roster to everyone else. And I don't know that they'll be able to match up night and night out the way that a lot of other teams will. But, um, you know, again, again, but if you look at a team like Florida, 
I mean, <laughs> they're another one that I, if you're talking about teams that are finding their momentum at the right time, I mean, they've got everybody back. That double overtime win against Michigan was a huge confidence booster, I think. Um, and I just think that they have the guard play that you need to, you know, be a team that can win a lot of games in the SEC. Um, and again, it's just finally having their everybody. I mean, if you think it, two of their three losses, I think, this season, you know, they're they're missing key guys. They don't have Zion pulling in that game against Virginia. Um, you know, they don't have Han Logden in that game against Baylor. I can't remember if he played in the Wake Forest game or not. But, you know, you're missing key guys. And so if you take that into account, this team's, you know, they could be 11-2 and two or maybe 12-1 and one right now. And think about how maybe the different the discussion would be if they had won a couple of those games. So I, I think Florida is another one. I feel like every team I'm saying is like they're going to make the tournament. I mean, look, it's realistic the SEC could get nine in this year. Um, maybe it winds up being eight, but I would be surprised if it's fewer than eight. I, I think it's going to be eight or nine. And so you would have to include Florida, I think, among that group of teams that's going to be right there competing for that spot. And, again, they got a great opportunity on Saturday to beat Kentucky at home. Um, you know, always a, a big matchup there in Gainesville. And so uh, I, I like the way this Florida team's playing right now. Team that I'm really excited about, and I've watched them a couple times on TV, is South Carolina. They open up with Mississippi State. Uh, what have you learned about this Gamecocks team that really, truthfully, under the, I mean, they have flown under the radar until the last week or so? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I made one of my bowl predictions. We, we had to make bowl predictions for SEC play. I said, here's a common theme, right? I said, South Carolina's going to make the tournament. And I know I'm giving, I'm handing out a tournament spot to everybody, it seems like. But, um, I've been more impressed with South Carolina maybe than others have been, and everybody wants to use just the schedule as part of it. And look, the schedule numbers are not good. I mean, it's 330th or something like that and or lower in terms of strength of schedule. But again, they've beaten teams. They, they've beaten all those teams minus Clemson, which I thought you came out of the Clemson game feeling a lot better about South Carolina, even though they lost by five. As we know, I mean, Clemson's a really good team. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think for the Gamecocks, the – I feel like maybe their undoing is just going to be the depth. I don't think is there. Um, you know, again, if we're comparing depth, I just they don't have it compared to many other teams in the SEC. But if you just kind of lean on that big four of Michi Johnson, BJ Mack, Miles Studi, Talon Cooper, those guys can win you games, and we've already seen that. Um, you know, in some close games, beating a Virginia Tech, beating Grand Canyon, those guys are just you know they they step up and they play really well together. The chemistry you don't ever know when you got new guys playing together. Um, but it's it's been there with those guys. And so I, I think that winds up maybe being the piece that we look at and just say those guys are going to fuel them to, to big wins. Um, and I do think the depth is coming along. They've got guys off the bench who are starting to play a few more minutes and, um, you know, give them a little bit more. But again, it's just it's hard to know until we see them into this grind of SEC play, which, you know, again, think about kind of the two game slate they're going to open with home against Mississippi State and the challenges of playing a team like that defensively then having to go play a team like Alabama offensively and the challenges they're going to present. So we'll know pretty quickly, I think, with South Carolina, um, how they're going to be able to kind of stack up some of the, the per perceived upper-tier teams in the SEC. Looking over in Lexington, Kentucky, this seems to be the common occurrence with U.K. fans and, and U.K. in general is we reach SEC play, the, the Kentucky fans are, oh, my God, we're going to win number nine. This is going to be another national championship year. And then we get a month in, and they've lost to Florida and a couple other teams, start to panic again, and we get to March. Oh, my God, we're going to win another national championship. From what you've seen from the Kentucky so far, is this a team that will cut down the nets come 1st of April? 
Yeah, I mean, I think this is as good of a chance as they've had in a long time. Um, you know, and I know we, we've done our power rankings at Southeastern 14 the past several weeks, and not everybody's agreed with it, but I am one of the people who is, you know, I was the Tennessee guy all preseason months and months. I said, I'm not changing it from Tennessee, even when they had the three-game losing streak. I said, I'm still picking Tennessee as the best team in the league. But I can make the argument now that I think it's Kentucky. Um, I, I think it's more of a 1A, 1B scenario, but I would give the nod to Kentucky right now on a neutral floor. Um, and it's just, again, because of we've always talked about the freshmen. Everybody's like, we well, can't win with freshmen and all this other stuff. But here's the thing is this doesn't feel like a large group of freshmen. This feels like a group that is much more mature and guys who are much more, you know, much less afraid of the moment. Like these guys are just, they're all stepping up at different times, whether you point out the North Carolina game, the Miami game, whatever. I know the Wilmington game's there. If that wasn't there, that's where, again, I think sometimes we get in football mode and you start looking at things from a football lens where it's like, oh, you lose this game. Let's just knock you like, you know, 100% because of this one game. But we know it's so different in basketball where you're playing 35 games or something. I, I, do, I just don't put as much stock into that one game against the UNC Wilmington, right? And I think sometimes now... Even if you look at like the betting odds and all this other stuff, people still have Kentucky like fourth or fifth in terms of like best betting odds to win the SEC. And I'm like, I truly think that is because of the Wilmington game. And I feel like if you were putting so much stock into that one game, where remember, they didn't have Dillingham in that game. For, for, I mean, didn't play, or excuse me, it was DJ Wagner. I'm, not, I'm getting them mixed up, but again, it's easy to do with these guys because they're all fantastic. But they didn't have Wagner in that game. And it's just like, if we've looked the rest of the way, if you take that out of the mix, if they're at full strength, they beat UNC Wilmington. They played so well against Kansas earlier in the season. Kansas just had a ridiculous, you know, second half and wound up winning that game. Um, but if you just everything else, like how could you not look at this team and feel like they are one of the favorites to win the national championship based on everything you're seeing from Reed Shepard, everything you're seeing from Wagner, everything you're seeing from Dillingham, that the older guys, Antonio Reeves, Trey Mitchell, Aaron Bradshaw's back. We see what he does to impact the game. And I purposely have left out the guy that a lot of us thought would maybe be the preseason SEC player of the year and was getting a lot of votes for it based on people that I talked to. And that's Justin Edwards, who could be, you know, a top five pick in the NBA draft next year. Like if that if we're not mentioning him until that far down the list, that shows you how talented this team is. And I just think again, their fearlessness, um, maybe they go lose it Florida on Saturday. And and you know what's gonna happen, Mitch. If they go lose that game, you know, I don't think they're getting blown out, but if they lose the game period, everybody's going to start reversing course and they're going to pick apart every little thing. But at the end of the day, I just, I think this team has it and I would be surprised more than not, if they're not a team that is playing well into March and having a chance to get back to the final four. Like we talked about Tennessee, but I want to ask you about Vanderbilt. Uh, I really truthfully, what, what has to change for Vanderbilt basketball to return back to what they were. I mean, you know, they, they made a run in the SEC tournament last year. They may or may not have should have gotten into the, the NCAA tournament. What has to change for Vanderbilt basketball to get back to that level? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, there, there's a lot, isn't there? And that's a, boy, that's a discussion you could have for an hour on all the potential changes, um, you know, starting in a lot of different spots at Vanderbilt. But I just think it comes down to, Again, if you, I, I thought coming into the season, and, and it was something I said, there was a clear divide in terms of there are a lot of Vanderbilt fans that thought that, hey, because of how we finished last season, 
we should make the NCAA tournament this year. And then you can, you know, you can start to work out ideas in your head of how that's going to happen. But the problem is this isn't 20 years ago where just because you finished strong last season means that this season is going to carry off. that. And you know why it's because we're in the transfer portal era now. Like it's completely different. You're not, you don't have the same roster every year. And so, yes, I know what they did at the end of last season, but it means nothing coming into the season. And we've seen that like, unless you're able to build your roster every single year, the way that, you know, they, they essentially built one last year that was able to withstand injuries and all the different things to make the run that they did to have at least a, a shot at making the tournament. Um, did they do that this year? To this point, we'd say no. Like, I mean, I don't know how else you could answer that. You'd say no. Like, they haven't been able to do that from a roster standpoint. And I know that Lawrence and Magnon have not played a lot of games together to this point. I know they just came off of having a chance to win at Memphis, which caught everyone by surprise. Uh, but that's been the outlier. That's not been the norm, is having a chance to win at Memphis. That's been the outlier. Because everything else we've seen, it's losing to Western Carolina at home. It's losing to Presbyterian at home. And there's, we're not knocking these teams, but it's just – you shouldn't be doing that if you're Vanderbilt and you're trying to get back to where you want to be as a program. Those are the kind of things that just can't happen. You can't lose to San Francisco by 13 at home. You can't lose to Boston College by 18 at home. Um, but all, all that's happened so far through 13 games. And so what has to change? I mean, without just you know coming out and flat out saying maybe everything, um, it's just they, they've got to do probably a better job of just building a roster that can withstand, you know, again, the grind of the 35 games and, and you haven't even got to SEC play yet. And there's just so little room for error. We knew that coming into the season. And so when you have the injuries you had earlier in the year, it takes a toll on you. Now they're a team where, you know, again, they're going to have to go, which we know it's just, it's just not going to happen. I mean, they're going to have to go 16 or two or something to be able to even have a chance at the NCAA tournament. And that's just, you talk about a letdown after the way they finished last year. Like, I think you, you and Chris Lee need to come back on the podcast here next week or so and talk about what all what all needs to be fixed with Vanderbilt because I, basketball, football, I mean, the list goes on and on and on yeah. for Vanderbilt athletics. But we'll, we'll save that discussion for later. Blake, I want to ask you, you know, who finishes better uh, between LSU and uh, Texas A&M? Another kind of disappointing Texas A&M team that hasn't lived up exactly to the hype that they were given in the preseason. You know, a and is one of those teams, too, where I, I am kind of willing to give them a pass to this point, only because the Tyrese Radford situation has kind of been one where, you know, he hasn't played in a lot of games. He just came back again against Prairie View A&M. Um, you know, we assume he's continued to play from here. I, I That's played a huge role, because if you look at the four games that they lost, Houston, Memphis, Virginia, Florida Atlantic, I think he played a combined, like, 42 minutes in those four games, which, again, this is a guy who realistically, if you go back to last year, he's playing 32-plus minutes in every single game, probably an SEC play, or not every one of them, but most games in SEC play. So you take that out of the mix, it forces Wade Taylor to have to do a lot more, and people have kind of picked on Wade Taylor's like efficiency numbers and such so far. Well, of course they've not been as efficient, because he hasn't had kind of his you know right-hand man there with Radford sort of helping him out um, the, the way that we thought he would, especially in those big games. So I still think A&M is I still think they're definitely a top-half team in the SEC. Um, I just I feel like they are, if, if they have everybody, you know, offensively they've been fantastic, and Taylor's a big reason for that. They've also, they're also the best offensive rebounding team in the country. 
which has helped. And that's where like, you know, Henry Coleman kind of making a push for, you know, an, an SEC player of the year type guy too. I don't think he wins it, but you know, that's helped. Um, and so I, I, I'm not ready to kind of discount A&M just yet, although they're a bad three point shooting team. Um, and you know, teams like that, I, I hate to rely on because it's just, you know, the SEC is full of those at times, but I think they're going to be able to correct themselves a little bit. LSU is intriguing. I still think they're going to have a hard fight to get out of the bottom four in the league. But look, they have Jalen Cook now, and he was the difference to me. If you were going to be a lot more optimistic about LSU, it was going to be Jalen Cook coming over, double-digit score at Tulane. Um, not just double-digit score. It was after, what, 20 points a game or something. And so he's played three games this year. He scored 13 or more in every game. He's played 29 or more minutes. It's clear that they are a different team with him. And so I think you can kind of write off a little bit of LSU's non-conference portion, but is it still going to be enough to rise out of that bottom tier? I don't know because it's, again, you've got a lot of teams we mentioned in front of those guys. Um, so I think LSU probably still got an, an uphill climb to stay out of that Wednesday night, uh, you know, matchup type game in the SEC tournament. Blake, last two questions I have for you. This is a, kind of a quick, two quick ones. I want to ask you about Missouri and Arkansas. Out of those two, which one would surprise you the most to miss the NCAA tournament? I mean, Arkansas definitely. And look, right now they would not be in. And I think that is the huge surprise is, you know, I was so high on Arkansas coming of the year. I picked them second in the league. People thought I was nuts. And clearly they were right because, um, you know, they, they've not been that to this point. And so I, they're another team, though. There's so much talent. They've got a tough first half of the SEC schedule. But there's so much talent there. We've seen Must do this year after year after year. And until we get to the point where he doesn't do it, I just have to believe he's going to figure it out. Because, again, he's done it for however many straight years now, at least three. And so they just happen to start a little bit slower this year than they did last year. And so I think they figure it out. Um, but, again, they put themselves kind of in a corner here to where they got to start winning some big games because outside of Duke, they've got nothing on their resume right now. Um, and so they, they, they need to take advantage of some of these early opportunities. They get Auburn, go to Florida, A&M at home, you know, even South Carolina's a good win. Kentucky's at home. So they got a lot of chances. Um, so I think Arkansas will be fine. Missouri, I just think the expectation right now is, is pretty clear. I mean, this team, I don't think they can fix all their issues this season. Um, this roster we knew going in without Kobe Brown, without Des Moines Hodge, it was just going to be a different roster. And I, you know, you know, as well as anyway, I, mean, I was so high on Dennis Gates and that team last year. I was kind of the outlier this year. Maybe I'm an outlier for a different reason. I just don't think this team can fix all their issues because um, I just think it's, it was unrealistic to expect this team to replicate what last year's team did. Even with the greatness of Dennis Gates, I just thought it was going to be tough from a roster standpoint. Um, and so th they're not as good offensively. They still struggle defensively. I think next year they take a big step forward with that outstanding class that they're going to have coming in. Um, but I just think Missouri is going to be kind of the spoiler team this year. They'll, they'll spoil some, some games for some teams. They'll step up and beat some teams they shouldn't. Uh, but I just don't think they have the upside they did a year ago. Blake, last question I have for you. Give me your SEC regular season champion. Uh, so someone asked us in our mailbag uh, thing we did on, or actually we put it out on Friday. But they asked, like, look, if you had to bet your house on somebody to win the SEC, and I feel like that's the best way I should answer this question every time. It's like if I, if I had to bet everything on it, who would I pick? I, I would I would pick Tennessee because I still think Tennessee is the team that, you know, if you're putting every – and again, you're talking about to the person who's been voting Kentucky number one the past several weeks. But I just feel like Tennessee plays the type of game that 
you, you know, I mean, it's just you don't want to play Tennessee. Like, not that you want to play Kentucky or not that you want to play some of these other teams, but Tennessee's defense frustrates people so much that I just think they're going to win some games that, you know, where, where teams are just, it's a rude awakening, right? Where you just face a team that you've not seen play defense the way that Tennessee does. They push you so far out. They don't let you run your offense. It's physical. Some teams don't like physicality. A lot of teams don't like physicality. And so I just, I still think I would pick Tennessee based off that. Defensively, they're going to be one of the top three defensive teams in the country. Give me that over, again, maybe another team that's kind of in the middle of the pack on both sides. I just think that's going to win them a lot of games. And the thing is, they're they're better offensively this year. There's no, no question about it. Dalton Connect has given them another dimension on offense. Um, may still have some struggles at times. May still have those five-minute stretches that frustrate you. But the difference is Tennessee can afford it more than other teams because they're so good on defense. And so I, I just think that – but Kentucky and Tennessee on neutral court right now, I think one team's favored maybe by two points or less. But I just – I still think I would pick Tennessee. Blake, tell them where they can find all of your amazing work. And as always, I appreciate you coming on the Mitch Davis show. You'll be on probably about another month or so. Yeah, you got it, Mitch. Always enjoy the conversation. Yeah, you can find us on Southeastern 14 on YouTube. And, uh, yeah, all of our daily SEC basketball stuff. Of course, doing a lot of SEC football offseason stuff and all that. So you can check it all out there. And, um, yeah, uh, always enjoy it, Mitch. You have been listening to the Mitch Davis Show podcast. I've been your host, Mitch Davis, founder of the Mitch Davis Show.com. Podcast host of the Mitch Davis Show, co-host of the Hit It to Hoover SEC Baseball Podcast with my boy Jake Nichols. You can follow me on Twitter, Mitch Davis underscore eight, Facebook and Instagram at the Mitch Davis Show, and always check out the website, themitchdavisshow.com. Going to have wall-to-wall coverage of SEC hoops on the themitchdavisshow.com, so check it out. Excited to start another season of SEC basketball. Again, I've been your host, Mitch Davis. Founder of the Mitch Davis Show.com. And thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy some SEC hoops tomorrow as we open up the 2024 SEC conference schedule. Just a reminder for those in Mississippi, going to be heading over to Oxford on Sunday afternoon as the Ole Miss Women's Rebels take on the LSU Tigers and Kim Mulkey, uh, defending national champions. So, really excited to get to the pavilion, excited to cover. Uh, women's basketball and tell the story for you at home so again thank you for listening to the mitch davis show podcast i've been your host mitch davis follow me on twitter mitch davis underscore eight